Hey DCL fans, it's Wes. If you're thinking about taking a Disney cruise vacation, consider booking your trip with us. We are independent travel agents affiliated with Mickey World Travel, a platinum Disney earmarked agency. Not only can we answer all your questions and help you with all the planning details, but we'll give you some onboard credit up to $1,000 to spend on your trip. That's free money to spend on whatever you want just for booking with us. Spa treatments, port adventures, merchandise, adult dining experiences. You're going to pay the same whether you book directly with Disney or with a travel agent, so you might as well get some extra spending money to take with you. If you're interested, send us an email at wes at mickeyworldtravel.com. And now, on to the show. Hey everyone, welcome to episode number 62 of the DCL Dude Podcast. My name is Wes, and before we get to this week's show, there are two quick things that I want to first mention. First, don't forget that time is running out to take advantage of Disney Cruise Line's 50% initial deposit promotion. Uh, you have until February 14th to take advantage of this special offer, so why not surprise your Valentine with a, a Disney cruise? <laughs> Normally, uh, you have to put down 20% of the cost of your cruise before tax and fees to book a reservation, uh, but under this promotion, the deposit is only 10% down, so it it, uh, it lessens the burden of the uh, the upfront cost. Um, send, an e- send me an email if you're interested uh, or would like more information on that. The other thing I wanted to mention is that my family and I will be heading down to Florida here in a couple weeks, um, but uh, we'll be leaving before my next episode drops, so I'm I'm letting you know now. Um, I'm running in the Princess Half Marathon at Walt Disney World. Should be interesting. I've, uh, before training for this, I had never run further than a 5K before, so uh, should be fun. I'm looking forward to it, but uh, still a little bit nervous about it. Um, but after that, we're, we're driving down to Miami for a five-night cruise on the Magic with a Marvel Day at Sea. We're really looking forward to that. My son, who is currently a huge Marvel fan, doesn't know it's a Marvel cruise yet, so uh, we can't we literally can't wait until he finds out it's killing us not to be able to, uh, to talk with him about it. He knows we're going on the cruise, but not that it's a, a Marvel cruise. Anyway, make sure you go follow uh, our social media accounts so that you can get updates and and see pictures from our trip. Uh, I'll also be doing my written trip reports on Facebook again since that seemed to be a uh, a pretty popular thing last time. So follow me on Twitter at the DCL Dude and also like us on Facebook at facebook.com/dcldudepodcast. Okay. I am very excited for this week's episode because I have invited former Disney Imagineer Joe Lanzicero back to the show. I received tremendous feedback after my last conversation with Joe, and I just felt like uh, after last time there was still so much more I wanted to ask him. So I reached back, to, I reached back out to him, um, and he was very gracious to agree to come back on the show, and uh, I'm excited for you to hear our conversation. I, I really can't tell you what a privilege it's been to, to be able to chat with Joe, and it's it's really been a lot of fun for me. I've really, really enjoyed our conversations. Um, so anyway, here, uh, here it is, and I, I hope you enjoy. I am so excited once again to be joined by former Disney Imagineer Joe Lanzicero. Hi, Joe. It's nice to talk to you again. Wes, it's a pleasure to be back. Thank you for inviting me back. Absolutely, I, I got to say, and I I mentioned this to you uh, in an email, but the the response that I got from the last time you joined me was overwhelmingly positive. People really enjoyed uh, enjoyed hearing from you. Well, I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, they'll enjoy this conversation <laughs> yeah. uh, as much. Yeah, and uh, I, I told you, I felt like I had a, a lot of other questions that uh, that we weren't able to get to last time. So I've, I've kind of been keeping a, a running list, and or I'll just randomly think of something, and, I, and I'll just think you know, that'd be that'd be something cool to ask Joe. So I I do oh, really okay. appreciate you agreeing to to come on and do this again. Uh, oh, like I said before, it's my absolute pleasure. I enjoy I enjoy our chat. Yeah. Likewise, very much so. Um, so I, I wanted to uh, to first ask you about our, uh, your experience with the Imagineering story. I I really enjoyed that series. I felt like Disney Plus nailed it, and I 
mm-hmm. it really kind of pulled the curtain back a little bit on the Walt Disney Imagineering and gave a really interesting and unique perspective and really kind of just told the whole Disney story, you know, what it is today. So I guess, what was your experience with that? Did you, uh, did you enjoy working on that project? Well, you know, um, <clears throat> I was actually involved with it when it was going to be a documentary. Um, Leslie Iwerks, who was the producer of it. Um, so gosh, this is going back to, I think my interviews were done in, in like 2014, oh, really? 2015. Yeah. Um, you know, Leslie did that great Pixar, um, uh, documentary and she's done other documentaries. And at the time she was, the intention was to do, um, another documentary it was going to be the Imagineering story, like the Pixar story. Yeah. Um, and then, so she had been gathering a lot of interviews and a lot of material with the intention of using it as part of the documentary. And then when Disney made the decision to, um, to have their own streaming service and to have Disney plus, um, they decided that they were going to take all the, all of the, all of the work that Leslie had been doing on the Imagineering story as a, as a standalone documentary mm-hmm. and turn it into a series. Um, so I was not involved with the actual, like I said, the series production, yeah. the work that I did, my interviews were all done at the time when they, they were going to make a, a documentary and Leslie was great to work with. And we, and actually we had done a number of interviews, mostly about, um, about Hong Kong Disneyland at the time. Um, <clears throat> surprisingly there was, we had some conversations about the cruise ship. Uh-huh. Um, and there was an interest at the time, again, this is going back to maybe 2015, 2000, late 15, early 16, when we were, we were looking at, um, we had started our initial looks at a second Island for the cruise ship. And she was talking about maybe following that process as part of the, the documentary. Oh, okay. Um, so I think it was obviously an internal creative decision not to focus a lot on the cruise line as a, as an imaginary story. Um, and I think, I think mostly because, you know, I, 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 I think I spoke last time a little bit about the, design process on the cruise ship is a little different yeah. than the traditional WDI um, right, kind of in-house right. design where you're, <clears throat> where we use a lot of, because it's a, it's a, it's a ship and has very specific, um, you know, naval requirements. Um, and there's a, there's a whole industry of people who work just on cruise ships. So we use a lot of outside um, naval architects, um, designers, who oh, they all worked under, you know, Imagineering yeah, guidance yeah. And, and the Imagineers that were assigned to that project. But I think in terms of, you know, how people think about Imagineering, you know, it's a little, it's a different design process. So it may not have fit, you know, into the, the way sure, they wanted yeah. to present Imagineering. Yeah. yeah. It's funny. I, uh, I think when we originally spoke, you know, first after uh, we talked last time, I had asked you about it if you were involved, and I hadn't seen the uh, the the episode yet. And I think it was actually that evening where I saw it, and then uh, and then you came on. Um, and uh, oh, I think first there was a there was a, a little piece about the cruise line. And I was like, oh, here we go. We're probably going to get into the cruise line. And then it was kind of yeah. just a, a quick segment. And then um, I think you said you, you, yours was mostly about uh, Hong Kong uh, Disneyland. Yeah. 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 Cool. So I, the the only thing that I didn't like about the 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 the, uh, the Disney Plus Imagineering story was that uh, it wasn't long enough. I <laughs> I I, I was what? really sad you- when it was over. <laughs> you know what? I am sure because they need a lot of content on those streaming channels and i'm sure um you know the imagineering story is huge and there's um you know they were i I mean i think about my own career and and some of the things that that i did that you know barely got you know didn't even get mentioned and i'm sure was true with a lot of the other imagineers so i would not be at all surprised if they're not already thinking about you know Imagineering story, you know, two point Yeah, definitely. I would, I would love that, and I would really love a uh, like a, a cruise line focused one. That would be cool. But like you said, I, I I'm sure it's a, you know, it, it's a different uh, 
there are a lot of different aspects to the the cruise line than you know the the Disney story. So, right, um, we'll see. So, one of the things that I've always been really interested in is just you know some of the history of Disney Cruise Line. So, and you know, being there kind of from the beginning, thinking back to that time, what was the feeling around you know Walt Disney Imagineering when you found out that Disney would be uh, entering into the cruise industry? And I, I guess how did they carve out a, a team for the cruise ships? You know, at the time, um, <clears throat> it made it made sense to me um, only because of you know the the things that cruises offer and the things that Disney had. You know, more along the resort um, side of things with you know the beautiful resorts that they were doing, especially back in the in the early '90s. Uh, I remember how excited I was when the um, Grand Floridian opened. Mm. And wow, going there and said, wow, they had a spa and they had multiple swimming pools and that beautiful beach area, you know, in the gym. And it was like, you know, in many ways, if you think about it, it was kind of a cruise ship on land in terms of the amenities, the amenities that they offered. So in my mind, it made sense that they would go in, go into the, the cruise biz. And it also made sense to me that they would go after the family market because it was not being served at all at the time. In fact, um, I think it was back <clears throat> back in the eighties. Disney just had a licensing deal with the, the big red boat. Right, it was right, called. right. Yep. Yeah, where they were just licensing the characters, and then then when the decision was made to um, you know to create their own cruise line, they pulled a licensing agreement from them. And I remember Warner Brothers took over. And uh, one <laughs> one of my first assignments, uh, I think I mentioned, was the kids areas oh, on, yeah, the, yeah. on the magic. So they actually sent, um, my wife and my, uh, and my daughter and I on, a on the big red ship. Oh, on no the way. Big red boat, rather. Yeah. And <laughs> I remember joking with my daughter. I had bought, um, those Groucho glasses with the big nose. I said, <laughs> yeah. I said, we're going to, I said, we're going to be spies, honey, so we've got to go incognito. <laughs> we have to wear these on the ship because, uh, you know, we're spying for Disney. Yeah. And I think she uh, she was pretty young at the time, and she thought that was really funny. But um, I remember I had to write a report when I got back to, um, you know, to the people at the time that were in charge of, you know, developing the cruise line. And and I just remember I said, the bar the bar isn't low. The bar is non-existent when it comes to, you know, real, really catering to families and kids. Because it was so sad. They had taken what was part of a casino on the the big red boat, and they had turned it into the quote kids area. And what oh, that wow. meant, they bought some they bought some off the shelf little tykes slides and play equipment <laughs> and um it was re- it was really pathetic and then they even had like an open deck area where they had just put some play equipment like directly out in the sun you know and then of course they had the Warner Brothers characters would come out and march around a little wow. bit but it was it, it was pretty pathetic you know and that was and that was really part of what started a lot of the conversations about the idea of purpose-built ship, you know, and yeah. that was something I told you at the time, um, Disney development company was actually leading the, the design of the, the ships initially. And then of course, WBI right. came on and we, we helped with the, yeah. the specific design areas. But, um, and that was, and that was, and I think you're going to ask this question later about Michael Eisner and, and his involvement. Yeah, that was going to be and, my next um, question actually. Yeah, you know, he Michael Eisner was deeply involved in the design of the ships. Oh, in fact, okay. um, that was the period. I'm trying to remember was if Frank Wells was already gone or not. But you know, they had a they had an amazing dynamic, Frank Wells and uh, Michael Eisner. Like when I was when I was in in, uh, in charge of the design for Toontown, and I worked very closely with both of them and. It was a great dynamic because Michael really was the the, the creative be- force behind a lot of decisions that were happening, particularly in that whole Dis- the early Disney decade yeah. period. Um, and um, Michael had a lot of creative ideas. He wanted and he wanted to understand the creative um, because he just tr- he trusted Frank was there as kind of his safety net for all things right. business. And it was yeah. unfortunate when when after Frank tragically died, um, 
you know, it cha- I really changed the dyna- the dynamic, um, or at least the way Michael worked on things. But I got to say, you know, he was he was very involved with the the early design to the ship. And I think I might have mentioned early on it was Michael who really pushed for this the the classic, you know. Um, look at the ships and, you know, he was the one that said, you know, look at those great old movies from the 1920s, you know, the classic sailing ships with the, the, the large bow and the smokestacks and, you know, people dressed up in tuxedos uh-huh. on the decks dancing. You know, there was a romance to all that, <clears throat> you know, cause some of the earlier designs, which I think you've seen for the, the ship, uh, the early, early ones, some were pretty crazy, you know, they were <laughs> gonna... kind of like, that, yeah, they they looked like a, a theme park on the water, yeah. and, and and that was not not what we were doing. You know, right. they they knew it had to be Disney branded and yeah. have have things that people would come to expect from the Disney brand. But it was Michael that was really pushing for this this elegance and this this sense of this high sense of romance to the whole mm. experience. Mm. Yeah, I thought that was, I mean, that was one of the things that I found really interesting about the Imagineering story was they showed some of like the the drawings or the sketches of the ideas that were, you know, some of the ideas that were pitched and some of them were just outrageous. You know, I could yeah. I could imagine, uh, you know, having a, a Disney, uh, you know, Disney branded ship with some of those ideas because they were so bad. Yeah. Yeah, and now that was kind of you know one of the things when you work with outside vendors, they don't um, or outside designers, they don't necessarily really get immediately, you know, the Disney brand and what that means. You know, they they automatically go to kind of this more carny, kind of um, overly decorative. um, But you know, Disney is story driven, and Mm -hmm. I think what what we did with both the magic and the wonder, and I think even more so with the dream and the fantasy was, you know, really coming up with Disney story ideas that worked as either the, the subtext for how we thought about designing the experience or actually became part of the experience. Like, you know, using IP from toy story and frozen and, you know, some of the other, the other popular films. So I, I think, and I think that's the thing that Imagineering really gets and really understands is how to apply story to a variety of different kinds of applications to not, you know, to the ships, you know, to restaurants, to hotels, you know, of course, to rides and attractions Mm -hmm. as well. Um, And I think that's kind of the advantage over a number of the outside companies. And I think that's why it was important that we were there working with them to help guide them and give them, you know, the story direction or give them the art direction that brought things back in line and made it more appropriate to the Disney brand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, uh, you know, with the uh, the dream and the fantasy later, that was, I, I believe that was Bob Iger at the time. So was it, you know, kind of the same thing with him? How, how involved was he with, with those ships and did you work with Bob at all? Uh, of course I worked with Bob and I've loved working with Bob and Bob was great. He is a great guy, um, but had much different um, style than, than Michael. Um, uh, much less hands on than Michael was. Oh, okay. Uh, I think, I think Bob um, and, and maybe a product of a few things, you know, the company kept getting bigger and bigger. And I just think, you know, there's only, any one human being only has Definitely, so much capacity yeah, right. for, for, for staying involved <laughs> for sure. in things at the, the level that Michael Eisner wanted to be involved in things. Um, and I think, and, and what, I don't think it was so much that Michael Eisner didn't trust his designers. I think he just enjoyed playing in the design sandbox. Um, whereas I think Bob trusted the people, his designers in a different kind of way and had had bigger and other interests that um so um he was at buy-offs and you know he had and he would have suggestions and ideas but certainly not at the level of involvement of michael eisner plus i think by time you know we got to the dream and the fantasy you know the brand was very well established and we had you know we had been listening to guests and we and we knew kind of you know what what we were doing in terms of you know we had we'd come up with rotational dining in the kids play areas in the adult district. I mean, there were things that were kind of staples now, what people can come to expect on a Disney ship. So it was just about, 
you know, trying to <clears throat> look at that formula, if you want to call it a formula that we had established um, for the, the Disney Cruise Lines and then figure out, you know, how to take everything to the next level. And so when we when we last spoke, you talked a little bit about kind of putting your your own stamp on the Dream Class ships and, and taking over from um, from Wing Chow. And can you just talk a little bit about what that handoff was like, you know, from, you know, him being kind of the leader of the, the projects to you sort of taking the torch? Yeah, I, Wing was a great guy or is a great guy. Um, and I always had a really good working relationship with him. You know, he, um, of course was in charge of the design on the, <clears throat> the magic and, and the wonder. And, um, I, I got to know him then and he was very respectful of what I brought to, to the, um, to the project. Um, you know, Wing was also very instrumental in getting me involved in Hong Kong and um, oh, nice. when I became when I became the vice president in charge of the uh, the design for that resort, so um, yeah, I always had a very good good working relationship with Wing. Um, so you know he you know at the time when he it was the decision was made for him to kind of step back a little bit, I think he was almost ready to retire, or the, the or they had already made the announcement he was retiring mm-hmm. when. Um, when they gave me the um, the cruise ship assignment, so Wing was, Wing was pretty pretty happy to hand it off to me because you know he under, he he knew that I understood the Disney brand and my sensibilities were in line with his sensibilities and that I also I understood how to work with um, the outside vendors because <clears throat> I had worked with some of them on the Magic and the Wonder and I already had a relationship mm. with them. Um, so I think all things just kind of clicked between he and I, and, um, and like I said, some things were, some things were developed enough to a point where it was just me following through on, on what wing had, Mm -hmm. had established in terms of, you know, getting it built, making it look, you know, look right and working with the right vendors and keeping the right direction. Um, and then other things where it was, there was still enough, you know, open-endedness or, uh, even whole areas of design that hadn't been addressed that I was allowed to, not allowed to, I was able to put my stamp on it. <coughs> um, and, and Wing was great. You know, he invited me to, um, you know, we, we did a nice, it was a good handoff because we had a couple really intense design um, sessions in Florida. Uh, and it was great because he introduced me to all the people that were working on it. And then we sat sat together and we, we went through, I mean, these were hours and hours of looking at, you know, drawing after drawing and, and material boards and, you know, mock-ups. And so it was, it was a pretty intense and thorough handoff. And like I said, I think, you know, we, there was a, a lot of mutual respect between us. So it was easy for, for him to let go and for me to take the, take the torch from him and move it forward. Awesome. So pretty seamless. It sounds like. Yeah, yeah, it abso- and I think it absolutely was. You know, that whenever there's a, a big change like that, I think you know s- some people who didn't know me and didn't know my style. Yeah. They were, I think, there was a little bit of concern. Oh, this new guy is going to come on and sure, he's going to yeah. change everything. But I quickly, I tried to make everybody know that I understood that there was had been a lot of work done and there was a lot of great thinking there, and that I was respectful of that, and that mm-hmm. where I could improve things, I I would, and where. Things were far, you know, were, were were too far down the road that I would just make sure that they they looked great when they uh, they got realized. Right. Yeah. So, um, and it didn't take long, especially with my partner um, Frank Dehier, who was the the delivery the project manager, vice president of delivery for the ships. And I think at first, you know, it was, there was a little bit of rockiness about you know who's this new guy, but in the end, Frank was like. One of my best friends. He still is. He's great. He recently retired oh, from nice. from Disney. Yeah, um, and we and we we just we had a. And you know, the other thing for me, it's as much about the journey as it is the destination. Sure, yeah. So I you know whatever I whenever I was working on anything I worked on, I always tried to make make it a a good time. Have you know have good relationships with the people I worked with. Try to try to have some fun along the way because, you know, that's, that's what you've got. If you're having fun along the way, hopefully the pro- the product that, that comes out, you know, yeah, that's, that's, 
that the result of that is going to be good. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's always better to work when you're having fun. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. So I, I wanted to ask you about a couple of projects that you were uh, you were involved with. So one I thought was kind of interesting. So you know you have a, a an animation background and you got to work on um, you know the animators palette restaurant on the ships. So, you know, how did how did your experience, I guess, as an animator factor into your role in that project? You know, I would like to say that it was my grand idea, but it wasn't. <laughs> it, was the, it came out of a, in fact, I, you know, what's great about Imagineering, um, and you might have picked this up in, in on the watching the Imagineering story, you know, it's always bigger than a single right, person. Yep. You know, we have, we have, we have brainstorms, you know, we have teams and, I think think the best ideas and the the best designs come out of those sessions where no one really knows whose idea it actually was because you were in the room and you were throwing out all these ideas and and then it became everyone's idea. <clears throat> but I think you know with Animator's Palette because I did have this um, this background in animation, even though it wasn't my idea, I think I added you know uh, at least my knowledge of the characters and. Um, of course, the focus on on Mickey and trying to keep it, <clears throat> especially on the in the dream and the fantasy. You know, our our kind of goal was to to take what we did on the the magic, which was it was more of like it was more dinner theater, but mm. not interactive dinner theater. Right, yeah, you know, right. the idea was well, well, how do we really up that? And you know, somebody came up with this this idea of you know letting people actually draw characters and see their character come to life. I mean, that is so empowering. Um, and I, I remember it was, it was starting to go a little South in that, you know, there was, there were a couple of a little <laughs> losing focus of what, what the core experience was. Oh, really? We wanted to add, Oh, there's going to be dancing fruit and we're going to, all the references and the characters are going to be about, about eating and blah, blah, blah. And I said, you know what? We got to keep it simple. Um, and that was that was one of the big lessons I learned in animation, you know, keeping it simple. Um, but that doesn't mean making it dumb. But right. that means yeah, making right. it that means making it focused. You know, um, even Marty in his Ten Commandments, you know, always talked about telling one story at a time. And that was that was a, a good lesson from Marty. And it was also a lesson that I learned too from a lot of the um, the animators that that worked with Disney, you know, always finding what is the what is the core idea, what is the core story point, you know, and and then mining that for all the the nuances you can, but you know, don't don't let it get complicated. And I think just you know the simple act of you know seeing your character, you seeing your drawing, you know, along with Disney characters was enough. I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty darn powerful. It is. And it's a really fun experience too. Yeah. And you also have to remember, you know, all the distractions too. That's, you know, that was always one of the lessons that I, I, one of the big lessons I brought from animation or one of the things that I learned when I moved from animation to Imagineering was, you know, in, in film, you've got a very, you have a focused captured audience. People are sitting in a darkened room focused on a screen when you're designing a a ride or a cruise ship or a restaurant, you know, there's always so many distractions. Um, you know, people, a kid crying, you know, you know, you never quite know where people are going to be looking. So your, your job is, is really to try to, to orchestrate the experience in in a way that, that you understand that there's going to be distractions. So it really forces you to be, be very focused on, you know, making sure there's a clear hierarchy to the storytelling and making sure that clear hierarchy is represented in the, in the design. So, um, so something like animators palette, we really worked hard to, to keep it simple, um, but entertaining. Um, the, the people that did the animation for us, I thought, you know, did a fantastic job with bringing, bringing Mickey to life in a way that you yeah. know, really made, made it felt like, you know, he was really talking to you and that you were really engaged with, with him. But, you know, in the end, it's still, it's pretty simple. You know, yeah. I draw my character, Mickey brings it to life, That's you right. know, Mickey yeah. uses magic, brings it to life and you get to see it up on the screen. <laughs> yeah. It's, and, re- it's um, really cool. Yeah. 
I both of the the, the you know the, the dream class version and the classic ship version are are both mm-hmm. really fun uh, experiences. So uh, two of our family favorites for sure. Uh, were you were you around? Were you still at Disney when uh, the magic underwent its uh, its dry dock trans um, reimagination oh, yeah. when they added the aqua do- aqua dunk? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I was actually in charge of that that whole oh no way that whole um, dry dock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, yeah, it, was there yeah. ever uh, an idea to try to put an aqua duck on the magic, or was it too small, or you know, were you trying to do something new at that point? You know, if we, trust me, if we could have, we would have, yeah. because, you know, the aqueduct is an amazing experience, it but, is. you know, it's, um, it is so complicated, you know, in, um, well, first off, you know, it needed, it, the, the whole reason for the aqueduct being up in the air was because, of, you know, deck space is so right. precious. Um, I, I can't remember if I told you the story the last time, you know, the, the aqueduct actually started as a lazy river yep. uh, on, yeah. And, and we just, well, we can't give up that, that deck space. Deck yeah. space is too precious. So somebody came up with the brilliant idea. Well, why don't we elevate it and put it in the air? And, <clears throat> and it, that's one of those things that, you know, immediately the engineers say, you're crazy. You can't do that. <laughs> right. You know, you know, putting, uh, you know, first off putting dynamic, uh, a dynamic yeah, water yeah. experience at the, on the upper, upper deck of a ship. You know, you don't, you want to, <laughs> you want to make, you know, you, you want to put the stability, you know, the, <laughs> right. the, uh, it, it just, it goes against everything you're supposed yeah, to yeah. do. <laughs> but thank God that, you know, there are brilliant people that For were sure, able to yeah. figure it out and yeah. make, and make it work. Um, so for a couple things, a, we didn't have the deck space. Sure. In fact, one of the things we did, I don't know if you recall on that dry dock, we redid the, um, the children's pool area to make it more family pool. We actually, we added the twist and spout, um, slide, which is, even though it's, it's, it's supposedly for families, mostly kids use it, but our intention was to, to create an area that was more, more family friendly mm-hmm. um, over what was there originally with uh, the little Mickey pool, which was, I mean, strictly just for little kids. Right. Yeah, um, right. So, and we did, and we knew we wanted something for, you know, teens and for young adults <clears throat> that was a little more dynamic um, like the aqueduct. Um, so we looked at a few different slide ideas and, um, and the, aqu- the aqueduct, dunk <laughs> was um it was an off-the-shelf slide but we still had to make quite a few oh, okay. modifications for it because we wanted it to go out over the edge of the ship a little bit like because you know that was a feature from the um aqueduct that you know that people liked um and so um yeah ideally i guess you know it would have been great if we could have made the um the aqueduct work but um we had some other crazy ideas we had thrown around, but it's really hard, you know, when a ship is, um, when you're retrofitting a ship. In fact, one of the things, one of the things we had to do during that, um, <clears throat> during that dry dock was put the, the, we called it the duck butt on yeah, the ship. Yeah. 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 I, I saw it referred to as the duck tail, but I like duck butt better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We called it the, yeah, we called it the duck butt because, yeah. you know, we were adding more weight to the ship. Oh, okay. Ships just naturally gain weight. But by adding the slides and some of the other features oh, wow. to the ship, uh, and we actually had There's to actually add some new it. infrastructure. Yeah, there was a new generator that was put on other things. So um, we had to do the duck butt um, wow. to add more stability to the ship. Yeah. Interesting. So I one of the was the was the twist and spout slide designed for uh, you know bigger people, adults. Yeah, I mean, our intention was that it was it was going to be for it is. Yeah, it's uh, like I said. The, our intention was to try to expand yeah. the 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 family offerings so that um, I mean, a lot uh, families were already gathering around the Mickey pool when right. we had the the one the Mickey slide. Um, <clears throat> and one of the things we learned that you know they just wanted more experiences. The guests told us they wanted more experiences for everybody in the family. Um, so again, we had limited deck space. Um, and, um, 
so yeah, that 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 slide was designed with the with the whole family oh, in mind. Wow. Uh, I I did yeah. not know that. That's uh, that's interesting. Yeah. I, <laughs> I I don't know. I I guess I just assumed because it was in that you know in that space back there mm-hmm. where where it was always you know the the for the little little kids. Um, yeah, but our intention the, was to kind of yeah was cool. to, to try to rebrand that yeah, space yeah. to make it more family friendly. Cool. Did not know that. I uh, I have learned something new. So there you go. That's always, that's always fun. Um, so I I I asked I asked you this question. I don't. I, maybe maybe there isn't. Uh, maybe there isn't something. But I I always love hearing about Castaway Key. And uh, there any any fun stories come to mind about Castaway Key? You know, maybe like you know finding the island or project planning associated with it or just a personal visit or anything like that? Oh, sure. Um, yeah, I actually, I hosted the first brainstorming for the island. This was, um, <clears throat> excuse me, this is back when DDC was still involved. And um, I had I had built a pretty good relationship with the guys um, on, the, uh, on the DDC side. And um, so we were going to host the first kind of brainstorming. They chose the island. The island was chosen. And there were some natural attributes about the, um, the, the physical attributes about that island that, that made it the top candidate. You know, it had that beautiful half-moon bay for snorkeling. They were able to, um, you know, add the dock so that the ship could pull directly up to the island, which was a huge plus right, yeah. in the industry. Yeah. So many of the other cruise lines, you know, you have to tender, mm-hmm. you know, get on a tender to get to the island. So that was a huge plus. Um, <clears throat> so um, I remember when they when they got the island, it was actually called Gorda Key. And um, one of the few physical things on the island was a um, was a landing strip <laughs> because. Um, I don't know if you know the story, they, it was actually a stopover for drug runners. So one of the first things they had to do was go out and destroy parts of the landing strip. Now, the landing strip is still there, as you know. It's yeah. the part that connects yeah. connects the, uh, the family and teen side of the island to the, to the um, adult beach. Um, but they had, to go, <laughs> they had to go in. One of the first things to make the, this... <laughs> Stop any airplane from from landing there, <laughs> right. which I thought was funny. Yeah, you know, and and once again, you know, we we came up, you know, with some some more involved story ideas. Mm-hmm. I remember out of that first, <laughs> we had fun because we, um, me and a couple of the other Imagineers that were leading the brainstorm, we took over one of the conference rooms. I remember over in the um, in the, the Maple Building. And, uh, and we decorated it all. We went to, there was a local party store and I remember getting netting and, and Hawaiian lays and, and paper palm trees. And I had the whole room decorated out to kind of get, kind of get everybody in the mood when they came for, for the brainstorm. And, and the, the guys from DDC, um, they weren't necessarily as crazy or as creative. They were creative in their own way, yeah, but yeah, not yeah. the way. Not the way crazy Imagineers were. <laughs> so, so they were they were take, taken back a bit when they opened the door to this conference room and found this kind of you know tiki tropical uh, <laughs> conference room that I had I had decorated out for them. Yeah. Uh, but it had it had its uh, its uh, it, it worked in that you know it created a kind of a light atmosphere. That's what I always try to do in brainstorms. You know, try to keep everybody loose and open and keep a light attitude about things. And, and I remember that day we came up with quite a few different stories, big stories and little stories. Um, and in the, and in the end, um, you know, I think we, we really just kept trying to remind ourselves that people were there for the beauty of that Island, you know, and to be able to snorkel and to sit under a palm tree with beautiful white sand and have kind of the, you know, the, the kind of quintessential tropical moment, island moment yeah, yeah <laughs> right yeah, definitely and and also you know it's it's very expensive building on those islands oh really and they're also oh yeah oh of course well imagine this you have 
how do you stage construction oh, on an yeah. on an island? So everything, you know, we were just across from Abaco Island, so that became kind of the the staging area, and then everything had to be you know boated across mm. to to the island. So mm. yeah, there it's 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 quite a logistical yeah. um, feat to you yeah, know ma- manage the. Uh, yeah, so you know that kind of <clears throat> so you know there's there's a huge cost in, in doing, doing the island, actually the physical building of the stuff on the island. Um, so you had to think about that when you were, you know, coming up with, with ideas It still, it didn't stop us from coming up with some crazy ideas, but like I said, in the end, um, you know, I, I was happy with the way it turned out, out in the end, because like I like I said a moment ago, it really celebrates the beauty of what that island has to offer. Yeah. You know, and I and I know some of the other cruise lines now are they're really upping the ante and creating these um, almost you know full water parks right, yeah, and yeah. Um, and getting getting even more elaborate. Um, you know, and I th- it'll be interesting to see what Disney does with their their next island and how far they they push things and how much how far you need to push it. You know, I always I always try to I always try to keep the whole cruise experience um in mind, you know, when you kind of zoom out and think about, you know, all the things you're offering guests and um the different, you know, out island experiences that they're they're gonna be getting, you know, going to some of the um <clears throat> some of the third party kind of experiences yeah. along the way, as well as everything that's hap- happening on the ship. Um, so I don't know. I, I question, you know, how far you really have to go with a, you know, almost a theme park like experience on the, on one of these islands. But, um, I don't know. We'll see, you know, yeah. we'll see how, you know, some, uh, some of the, the, the competitors with, with their, you know, island experiences, if they're going to influence what Disney does sure, in the future yeah. or not. Yeah. It'll be yeah. interesting to see for sure. We'll probably mm-hmm. find out. I mean, it's coming soon within the next uh you know a couple of years so be, yeah uh, be very exciting so last time uh last time we talked you you had mentioned that the the plans for the these next ships were kind of already in the works when the fantasy was being built i mean so conceptually do you remember kind of any of those concepts that were, that were being discussed at the time you know it wasn't so much um <clears throat> creative ideas i think i explained to you last time there's this thing called the ga it's called oh, the yeah. general arrangement gotcha. and the, yeah and it's basically just you know starting to apportion oh, the okay. space across the ship so that the early work was just you know looking at what we had done on the dream and the fantasy and trying to learn from from what guests were telling us like you know you can never have enough deck space we can never have enough water features, you know. Um, the adult, the adult district was very, very popular. Kids areas were very, very popular. So you try to take a look at, you know, we we had enough learnings from just from the dream, let alone what we were learning, you know, from the mat, right. from, excuse me, from the fantasy as well. So that that early work was just mostly about trying to address how best to utilize the space because in the end you know it's not like a theme park where you've got all these acres and land that you can use and and, you know these ships can only be so big um and disney for economic reasons you know they choose to you know keep them to a certain size so a lot of it is just about trying to work with uh, like i said with the ga and figure out how best to apportion the spaces so that's that's about as far as i remember us us working on on the next class of ships and how I'm sure there's some of what we did um, because it was again, based on learnings and based on what, what the guests were telling us that they wanted that, you know, we started to address when we were looking at the, the, the next class of ships. So uh, the, how much does, how much does guest feedback factor into decision-making for either a new build or a reimagination? I mean, we, when we, when you get off a cruise, there's always a you know a post cruise survey that you answer a bunch of questions. Do I would assume you know that stuff is that kind of stuff is considered when you know making decisions on on new, oh, on projects. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like I mentioned earlier, like on the the magic um, rework, the magic dry dock was a lot about you know addressing what what guests were telling us about more 
more deck space and, um, you know, more water features and, and more things for adults to do. So, you know, all that was, all that was factored in when we were like, cause we, we, we changed the nightclub district mm-hmm. and we called it after hours. Uh, and we tried to make it a little more like what we had done on the dream and the fantasy yeah. again, learning from what we did there, even, <clears throat> even between the, the, the dream and the fantasy, we, there were learnings, you know, it was the, that whole area, um, uh, the adult area where, um, where we added satellite falls and we added those big shade structures that all grew out of listening to the guests. Oh, okay. Especially the, you know, the, the adults and we needed more dedicated, you know, adult water area and dedicated shade areas for the adults. Same with the aqua lab, you know, that, that grew out of the need for more things for kids to do. Um, on the dream that was the area where the aqua lab exists on the on fantasy was a, a bar, which wasn't highly utilized. So, um, yeah, to answer your question, would they listen, they listen a lot to what the guests saying is as much as we can, you know, try to accommodate, uh, them like with, the um, even going back on the dry dock for both the dream and excuse me for the fantasy I'm sorry. I'm getting these all mixed up. My apologies. <laughs> Going back to the, the on the magic and the wonder, you know, we went back and we changed the whole um, the buffet on yeah. the on the upper deck yeah. um, to make it more free flow. You know, we learned lessons about you know how how people use use a buffet and trying to make it more efficient in terms of servicing the guests, making it more pleasant in terms of being able to find places to sit down and and um, yeah. So a lot, yeah, a lot, a lot of listening to the guests, and as much as we can, we we try to you know accommodate what we heard from them. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah. So that's why that's why the satellite falls wasn't originally on the on the dream. I, that's interesting because I it was. Uh... Now I think they went back. I, th- they, I think they went back and put it on. They did. Yeah. Yeah. Post. Yeah, we but, did. Yeah. In fact, I was part. Yeah, I did that that dry dock and it was <laughs> it was actually a little more difficult to retrofit it oh, on really? than it was yeah because on the fantasy you know it was part of the de- yeah the, the design. original design yeah, <clears throat> oh, that's yeah so i think we had to make we had to make some design modifications oh, on it when really? we went back and put it on the on the dream so yeah that's that cool. that was born of the you know listening to the guests yeah. and what they wanted very cool all right, uh, last question here. So obviously the the Disney Wish, the steel cutting is uh, expected to begin it's very soon. I think sometime within the next couple of weeks or several weeks is when, uh, you know, when the last that I heard. But um, just, I guess just in general, there's a lot of innovation happening across the cruise industry right now. Do, do you, I assume the answer is yes, but do you think Disney is well positioned to, to keep up with the, you know, kind of the pulse of the modern cruiser but still delivering on the, you know, the Disney magic that, uh, that cruisers have come to expect. You know what? I, I hope that they don't lose focus of what makes the ships great. Yeah, me too. And I hope they don't, and I hope they don't try to chase technology and chase, um, some of the splashy kind of crazy things that some of the other cruise lines are doing. Like I, <clears throat> I was recently at an industry event where I saw what carnival was, adding a roller coaster to one of their ships. And Lord knows we spoke about, we thought about adding rides to our ships, but um, in the end, I think Disney will, if they stay true to the brand and the brand is about storytelling and the brand is about creating emotional connection to, to the guests through the stories, through the characters, you know, using the Disney IP. Yeah. I would I would hope that they stay focused on that and try not to get get caught up in it's almost like an arms race yeah, you know right yeah, now when oh, I look sure. at all the cra- all the crazy stuff that's <laughs> going on 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 both the the Norwegian cruise line ships yeah. and on the and Carnival yeah. and like I said earlier both on their islands and on the ships you yeah, know yeah. merry go rounds yeah. merry go rounds bumper cars you know um, <laughs> go karts a lot of crazy <laughs> go kart yeah so. Um, you know, and and I would hope that if Disney does try to do stuff like that, that they remember that it's all about story yeah, and it's yeah, all yeah. about character, and whatever they they do stays true true to that. Sure, so, yeah. 
Yeah, I, ho- I hope it doesn't become an arms race, and I really do hope. And you know what? There's a lot of there's still a lot of smart, focused people there that understand the sure. brand, and I, I bet you they're going to stay true to that. I yeah, I I I mean, you know better than I, but that's that's kind of my feeling too. And I, I'm I'm right there with you. I don't want you know I I prefer not to have these crazy uh, technological you know advancements just. Keep it keep it true to the the Disney story, and uh, I think I think people will be happy with that. And you know they they will use technology, and you know just as we did with you know the the detective game and the and the uh, the the magic uh, the portals, portals. Yeah. and you know yeah I mean it was but it was but the t- the technology was always in the service of the story right, and the right, service right. of the experience. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of the stuff I read about that some of the other cruise lines are doing, it's a technology for techno- what a technology becomes the thing. And I would hope that, that you know, technology doesn't become the thing for Disney, that right. they use it to continue to create great stories and great immersive experiences. Yeah. That's my hope, too. I, uh, I'm right there with you, so... There we go. Well, Joe, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate this. I, I thank you so much for your time. I this has been so much fun for me. I've really enjoyed our conversation. <laughs> so I uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to to, to chat with me for a little bit. Uh, it was an absolute pleasure, Wes. You know, and it's always fun for me to reminisce. And hopefully, hopefully, I didn't uh, I didn't slight anybody or, <laughs> or say something. Uh, no, that I don't think so at all. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I always I, I always try to remember that you know it takes teams and sure. you know whatever successes I had along the way, it was mostly because I was surrounded by really, really smart and talented people that were smarter and more talented than myself, than yeah. myself, and that we had some fun along the way. And, sure. And I try to uh, try to remember that. Definitely, yeah. That's that's great. And uh, yeah, thank you again. And uh, I uh, I hope to to talk to you again sometime. Yep, hope to do it again, Wes. Thanks again. All right, take care, Joe. Take care, buddy. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. As a reminder, you can connect with the show by following along on Twitter, at the DCL Dude, or by liking us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast. Please feel free to ask a question, leave a comment, drop a note, or share the podcast with your followers. I'd also be very grateful if you could rate the podcast on iTunes and leave a review. Of course, if there's anything I can do to improve your listening experience, please let me know. Thanks so much for listening. (laughs) 